All right. Well, welcome. So glad you guys are here. Uh, do me a favor. If you have a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 2. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We want to get you one so you can follow along with us. If you do not own a Bible, take that one. That's our gift to you. Merry early Christmas. Um, but yeah, turn to Philippians 2. So glad you guys are here. We are in Philippians 2 again for the fifth week, but it's so good. We're taking our time working through Philippians. Uh, before I kind of share where we're at, what we're going through today, I want to kind of um, just share briefly about Love Deerfield. So yesterday we had an event. It was called Love Deerfield. Do we have pictures up there? Hopefully, yeah. All right, so yesterday, it was really great. We had about 30 to 40 people from West Pines Community Church come on out, and we had about 30 to 40 people from our church, and we got to just basically love and serve Deerfield. Uh, we had like a car wash for the community that was free. We made gift baskets for all the teachers. We went door to door and just invited people out to Easter and Good Friday and our extravaganza event thing and just got to tell them about Jesus and really cool day yesterday. Thank you for all those who just came out and served, made it happen. Um, I, we actually do have West Pines Church. Some people are in the house from West Pines, so I'll say welcome. Actually, most of them are serving in our kids' ministry so our volunteers could get a break. So that is awesome. So we're very thankful for them. Um, and also after service, we're having a little picnic at Tradewinds Park and I believe the shelter, because last week I didn't know, it's called Elfin. I think that's how you say it, E-L-F-I-N. Maybe I said that right, maybe I didn't, I don't know. Um, but we'll be there after service, that'll be fun. But anyways, it was great. Thank you so much uh, for those who served again and looking forward to doing more events like this. Also, I want to make a quick little side note. So uh, you guys know that we actually were supposed to have a team leave for Haiti this Tuesday. Um, Haiti, a month or two ago, became like, I guess, a level four from our government, meaning like you cannot travel there. So we had to postpone the trip. Um, I believe things have calmed down over there. Uh, so we are planning on going actually at the end of June, June 25th to the 30th. If you'd like to go to that one, maybe these dates are better. You can sign up. Um, I think we have at least eight people from the last trip who still can go. So we're going to build around that team. Um, so that is Haiti, June 25th. Just want you to know because we were going to be praying them out this weekend, send them out, but they're not going this week. So uh, end of June, we'll be doing that. All right, Philippians chapter two. Uh, I've been loving this book of Philippians, this series. If you are new, let me just kind of catch you up to speed. Uh, so Philippians was written by a guy named Paul who once used to persecute Christians. Now he's a persecuted Christian. He's in prison and he's writing this letter. And he's writing a letter that's primarily about joy, as we talked about. I want that to be a theme that God just kind of brands on our hearts, that uh, really joy is not the absence of trouble, but it's the presence of something greater. That what happens to you does not have to control you. This is kind of the point of Philippians. And, and Paul is writing a lot about joy in this letter. And one of our main themes that we've talked about and we've looked at is Paul saying, hey, Philippians, live as citizens of heaven. Philippians, the, the city of Philippi, was a colony of Rome, and so they had a lot of benefits as Roman citizens. Here was Rome's goal. We'll put it up here. Rome's goal was simply bring Rome to Philippi. Paul's goal is bring heaven to Philippi. So Rome's goal was establish Roman culture, Roman law, Roman ethics, Roman characteristics, Roman architecture. Bring Rome to Philippi. But Paul's saying, no, no. First, you're citizens of heaven. Bring heaven to Philippi. And church, really, this is our goal. When Jesus said, pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, our desire is to live as citizens of heaven. How do we bring the heavenly culture here? How do we bring a culture where there is a kingdom and the king is Jesus? And the culture is love. And our desire, in a sense, is to be an extension of heaven to earth. That is really our goal 
We want every church, in a sense, to make a little taste of heaven, of heaven's culture, of heaven's kingdom on earth. And so that's our desire as we go through this and study this. So um, we'll catch up to speed. A couple weeks ago, Paul talked about humility, and he said, look at Jesus. Jesus left heaven, humbled himself to the point of death. Two weeks ago, we talked about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Last week was an entire message on complaining. Paul says, do all things without complaining. I'm sure everyone this week, you caught how much you complain, how much I complain this week. And Paul now, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 and 30, is saying, in light of working out your salvation, in light of serving Jesus without complaining, let me give you two examples. And he talks to us about a guy named Timothy and Epaphroditus. So remember, this is like one continual thought. He's like, you want good examples of those who worked out their salvation with fear and trembling? You want good examples of those who just serve and do not argue and do not complain? Timothy and Epaphroditus. Say Epaphroditus. You gotta say that. Sounds like a disease. But Epaphroditus, all right? Epaphroditus. He goes, look at these two examples. These guys have done it well. And Paul is really talking about in this text, which is so fitting, gospel partnerships. Now, here's why I love this. We, this weekend, had Love Deerfield. We had another church reach out and say, we want to love and serve Deerfield with you. And it was such a cool example. Like, I couldn't really fit or make this happen. Like, I love that our text this weekend is essentially about gospel partnerships, and that's what just happened this weekend. Only God can do that. But Paul's writing about some of his best friends. These are some of Paul's best friends, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so we're going to kind of be looking, in a sense, at spiritual friendship and what Paul says about this. Now, I want to read to you a little quote because in studying for this text, Philippians 2, verse 17 to 30, it's kind of a difficult, a little bit of a dry, I'm not going to say the word boring, but it's a little bit difficult of a text. It's kind of like Paul's travel log. It's kind of like, hey, you go there and do this. And so it's kind of like him kind of like talking business in a sense. So it's a little difficult. Uh, one author, he, he said, no one's favorite Bible verse is found in this text. All right, maybe, you're, you're, maybe your verse will be found in this text. That'd be really cool. Um, I'm not you're like, you're doing a terrible job setting this up. I know. Uh, but I want to read this because I thought this was so profound. One author said this about this text. And listen, listen. He says, there are no light shows, mega conferences, or acrobat stunts here. There are no hobbits disappearing or chihuahuas doing tricks. But faithful Christians living, uh, faithful Christians living doesn't always look extraordinary. He's like, there's nothing spectacular happening here. Like, we do love, we love as a church to be ooed and awed and entertain me and make this exciting. And Paul's like, listen, it's in the mundaneness God meets you. It's in those little details of just serving Jesus faithfully behind the scenes. That's where God shows up. And so he's given two examples of guys who really didn't necessarily do, like, even in this, this text right here, they're not doing anything super spectacular. They're just being faithful. I have to put this long, long quote up here for you guys because it was way too good to even try to like me summarize. So let's listen to what one person said about just this experience in Philippians 2. He said this, a guy named Fred Craddock. He said, uh, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord, to go out into a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill, that's a lot back then, uh, and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. He says, but, but, listen, the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and he has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. We go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there, listen to the neighbor's kid's troubles instead of saying get lost, go to a committee meeting, give up a cup of water to, sh to a shaky old man in a nursing home, usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out into a flash of glory 
it's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. Can I get an amen? Is that not so true? Like, we're like, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. He's like, all right, ready? You're like, yeah. Just live your life moment by moment. For me, 25 cents here, 50 cents there. Help someone, bless someone, pray for someone, share the gospel. It's like, yeah, but like, I want to go like Africa. It's like, no, no, be faithful here. And just give your life right now, moment by moment. And that is so true. And this is that text. Paul is just saying, look at Timothy. Look at Epaphroditus. These are great examples. Here's, here's the point. Character is caught more than taught so often. And it's very humbling being a dad to a son because I just see my little, like, my flaws walking on two little legs. I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, help me, God. And character really is caught more than taught. And so Paul is saying, look at these guys. Catch their character. Watch their lives. Learn from them. They're doing it well. And Paul is basically writing about, he really is, his two nearest and dearest friends. One who's a son of the faith, one who's a deep friend where Paul, you'll see Paul's heart for him. And so I do want to look at this text specifically, even just as spiritual friendships. Like the way we're going to approach this is, these are Paul saying, these guys have given it all to Jesus, to me, to you. These are my buds. Uh, we learn a lot about how to have real relationship. Church, here's like my prayer for this text as we kind of go through this. is like, how do we have real, genuine relationships at our church? How do we have real gospel-centered friendships? How do we have spiritual friendships that will just carry on for eternity? How do we not make it about some cool, amusement, exciting thing that's like here for a moment and gone? How do we have deep and rich, meaningful friendships? We're going to look at that today. Sound good? Can we do that? Let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 through 30, and then we'll pray and look at it more in depth. Philippians 2, verse 17, Paul says, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one, listen, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall com come shortly. Verse 25, yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was lo longing for you all and with distress, and with distress because you had heard that he was sick. Verse 27, for indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Let's pray, and we'll look at this topic of spiritual friendship in depth. Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you. We thank you for examples. There's so many, <laughs> but we thank you for Timothy and Epaphroditus. We thank you for Paul, his heart. God, we thank you for those who are committed fully to the gospel, to the church, to each other. Jesus, we just ask for more of this. God, in our church, break down just acquaintances. We do ask for just rich and meaningful relationships, relationships centered on the gospel. And God, just even, um, I know all of us, we want that, but help us to be that. I just ask that you just speak to us and move in this place in your name. Amen. 
All right, I'm going to try to stir some old emotions here. Um, I don't know if you guys have this. It might not relate to you, it might relate to you, but how many of you remember these? Do you have the first picture? Do you guys remember that? I don't know if you ever got one, best friend, <laughs> those necklaces. Maybe for the guys, maybe not. I remember seeing one. I remember like seeing them all the time. My sister would pass these out, like the best friend necklaces. You know, we, we also used to pass out the, the best friend bracelets. Do you guys remember those bracelets you pass out? Like, you're my friend. Here's a bracelet. Um, this was basically our way of going to someone and just, as a kid, you'd like hand them this, like, would you be my friend? And it's pretty like simple. I really like this idea today because like sometimes like, oh, I like that. I want to hang out with that dude. Like, what do I do? Like, I wish I could just do the bracelet thing. Like, hey, like all bashful. Like, like it kind of makes sense. But today, th- this is like the, in back in the 90s. I'm a true 90s kid. Bo- bo- true 90s kid, born in 88. So this was like real. This was like my life right here. Um, but this is like our way of friending someone on Facebook back then, right? Like, this is what we would say, hey, we want to have a relationship. We want to be friends with you. We want to hang out with you. And here's, Paul is writing about two of his nearest and dearest friends. And here's the thing. I don't think you and I necessarily value friendship always. I don't think I always value friendship. I think sometimes we maybe have a, a low perspective of friendship and deep, meaningful relationships. If you guys remember, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. Maybe you've heard of that book. And in the book, he writes about friendship. And I'd encourage you to read his chapter on friendship. Because he says it's, he talks about how valuable it is. And he says this in the book, uh, Four Loves. He says, the first and most obvious answer is that few value it because, a few, because few experience it. He's like, we don't value friendship anymore because we don't really experience it anymore. You know, we live in a generation, the problem I think today, let's be honest, is we live in a generation where the most connected generation ever. I mean, the most, we could talk to anyone in any part of the globe at any time. We're the most connected generation and yet the most disconnected generation at the same time. We think because of email, text, social media, we can hit someone up across the globe in like one second, which takes too long for us. And we, we look at this and we go, oh, we're so connected. And yet we see people do so many things alone. You walk into a restaurant with your friends, you're like late and you see all of your friends sit at the table and everyone has this glow on their face. And you're like, we're here to hang out. And you're like, hold on, I need to post a picture of my taco first. We're like, what are we doing? Like we miss out so much on deep and meaningful friendships. I think because we don't really experience it, we don't value it because we don't experience it. And Paul's writing about two guys who are near and dear to his heart, who gave everything they got towards the gospel like Paul. Paul is basically saying, honor them, welcome them. They've served with me in my week. One almost died for you, for me. I mean, this guy, and he's really writing about like how to have rich and meaningful friendships. And I think it's important for us to talk about this. Because what is our friendship based on? The friendships you have in your life. Think about some of the closest friends. What is it, what is it about? What do, you, what do you, like, get along about? What do you talk about? What is the topic of your conversation? Is it shallow? Is it deep? Like, what is that thing that kind of unites our hearts together? You know, honestly, it's funny. Aristotle, in his writings on ethics, wrote about friendship. And he talks about friendship in three ways. And I think it's actually really interesting. It applies. He says there's friendship built on usefulness. I'm only their friend because they're useful to me. Sadly, that's very true. He said there's friendship built on amusement. Right? This is kind of like high school where you're like, oh, we just have so much fun together. Like, do you ever talk about anything serious? Of course not. Like, okay. Friendship built on amusement. And then he talks about the friendship that seems to like last the longest and be the most meaningful is friendship built on virtue. You have shared beliefs. You have shared vision. You, the most important thing about you is the most important thing about this person. You guys have that in common. And he basically says, even if you don't have the same amusements, even if you don't have the, some of the similar interests, you can have deep and meaningful friendships. And I do think this is so true. You know, for us, we, we got to realize as a church, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to create space where deep relationships can happen. Let me just say this, you guys. We cannot manufacture it. 
We cannot like force it. The church cannot be e-harmony for friends. Like I'll just go to church and like try to, oh, I didn't, didn't really work out this. Like it can't be that. We do try to create space and groups to have meaningful relationships and friendships. But we can't like force it. You know, I, I do love that we have the meet and greet. Some of you hate it. I'm sorry. I love it. I love that you hate it too. But like, hey, meet someone new. Be friendly. Be outgoing. You're like, I hate when Josiah says that. Don't wait for someone to go to you. I always do that. And you're like, I hate it. Now, I, I get it. It can be sometimes forced. There can be that person who's a little bit too excited. Like, hey, what's your name? Where do you live? What's your address? I love you. Like, what? What did you? You know, like, hold on, slow down. Like, that can, it takes a little bit. Um, so I think sometimes you gotta, like, slow down, and, and it can't be forced. It can't be forced. It has to be discovered. But we do try to create space in Holy Spirit. We have, we, we have something so in common with each other. And I want to talk more about that in a second. <laughs> but we want to discover it together. We want to carry it out together. Can I just say this too? It's not like Paul saw Timothy in Epaphroditus every day. He didn't. Paul was on mission, but these guys were on mission. I mean, Paul was like a focused, driven person, really driven. These guys were focused and driven. It's not like they hung out every moment, every day of their life. But when, they're need, when there was a need, you better bet that they could both be there for each other. There's something about that. It's not about like we need to hang out every moment, every day. It's like, but when there's something that arises, I'm so for you and you're so for me. And that's what Paul's doing. And he's writing about spiritual friendship. And here's why I think this is so important. I think some of the most transformational things I've experienced in my life has, have, have happened through friendship. I think about the times where God's like really tried to like get rid of attitudes or characteristics or just make me more mature, more loving, have come really across the table from a friend who loves me and a friend who says the hard thing. And no one ever likes that at first, but that's where I think the more meaning and depth has come in. And I think that we need to get to that point. I think as a church, I think God's Spirit is trying to get us to the point of how do we get past the shallowness, meet and greet, but how do we use this as an opportunity to say, hey, I see you every week, let's grab coffee and let's just hang out and talk. How do we get past some of that shallowness? How do we actually have deep, meaningful friendships? And what, is, what are the marks of a true, biblical, gospel-centered friendship? And just here's a few marks I find in this passage that we're going to look at. So a few marks of spiritual friendship, all right? A few marks of spiritual friendship. We're going to see there's a shared passion. We're going to see there's loyalty and there's deep sacrifice. I think in a strong friendship, you're going to see these things. There's the similar passions. You're going to see a, a deep loyalty to each other and you're also going to see deep sacrifice on both ends. All right, so let's just reread this. Can we do that? First one, let's look at passion, shared passions. Let's look at verse 17 again. What does Paul say? Verse 17, let's read that. He says, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus." I want you to see that Paul and Timothy have a similar drive and passion. Paul says this. Paul's like, I am poured out as a drink offering for you, for your faith, and no one cares for you like me except for Timothy. He cares for your state in the same way. Here's, here's what this is. So, by the way, context, a drink offering, what is that? Um, whether this was the Jews offering a sacrifice to God or pagans offering a sacrifice to their God. So imagine you're a pagan even. And they had temples dedicated to Zeus. Even Romans had te temples dedicated to Caesar. You would offer a bull or goat or doves or whatever. You'd offer the sacrifice, and then many times you'd pour out a drink offering on top of it, something valuable, costly on top of it. Paul's like, your faith is a sacrifice, and I'm this drink offering pouring everything I got on you. I'm giving everything I have for you. He goes, I, I will give you, I will serve you, I will love you. I gave my whole life for you, and Timothy does the same. 
Let me say, serving Jesus and serving each other is a sign where you're going to give everything. Where it's going to cost you a lot. You're going to say, I give my whole life. I give my time. I give my energy. I so love you. I so care for you. I'm going to pour out my life to you. And he goes, and you know what? That's not just me. It's Timothy. Timothy does this for you. If you want to look again at verse 21, I think, or verse 20, it's so interesting. He says, I have no one like-minded. Circle like-minded. This word is a really interesting word. It literally means equal sold. Equal sold. Like soul. So he goes, I have no one who's as equally, as soul is just like my soul. Like the, only, only Timothy's like this. He's the only one who's like like-minded, who's equally sold with me. It's funny, kind of playing off even some like Greco-Roman thought. You know, in this time period, people thought of soulmates. We do this too, with soulmates. You know, the Greeks used to think it as before you're born, your, your soul was one and it was split in half and two ba- babies were born. And like in life, your, your goal is to find your soulmate. And it's like, I, I'm not complete until I find my soulmate. And somehow Americans, we've adopted this. Christians have adopted this. It's not real. It's not true. But it's like my soul is split in half and it's not fulfilled. Paul, and it's funny, we even as Westerners think this can only be found in romantic relationships. Paul is saying, I have someone who's so like my, we like share the same soul, and that's Timothy. We share the same interests, the same passions. Do you see what he says in verse 21? He goes, everyone seeks their own interests and not the things which are of Jesus Christ, but he's, he's inferring that Timothy does. He's saying, you know what? Timothy does seek the things that, that which are Christ Jesus. Do you remember Philippians 121? I love it's the 21s. Look at 121. What does Paul say? For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain, Right? And he says the same thing about Timothy in 2.21. He's going, for Timothy to live is Christ. We're equally sold. We're equally partnered together. So I think the most important thing we got to see here is we as Christians, listen, we share a lot of interests that are similar, but we have the most important thing, and that is Jesus. You know, when we were at uh, Love Deerfield on Friday night, we were at the beach, and we had like a little, like a little prayer slash worship time. And it's cool. I saw this older couple sitting behind me, and I didn't know. I'm like, are they Christians? Are they not? So I turn around, I'm like, hi, how are you guys? They're like, hi, we just, we're from Wisconsin, and maybe they're here, I don't know, hi. Um, but we're from Wisconsin, and you know, we just saw people worshiping, we just want to join in. And it's cool, because I got to share briefly, I'm like, isn't it so cool how you can be states, or miles and miles away from your home, you see other believers, and you feel like, I'm at home? That we can, I can be in a different country, different part of the globe, and I can be like, oh my gosh, they worship Jesus too? I speak that language. You speak worship? Yeah, like we speak that in common. And there's something where our hearts are just knit together almost immediately through the thought of like, wow, we have Jesus in common. I mean, this is something for us where, listen, I, I get it. There, in this room, there's a diversity of passions and interests. And my, even some of my best friends, we have different interests. But the reason why I think there can be deep friendship and love for each other is that we know at the end of the day, we have Jesus in common that my goal is like, I want to know Jesus and make him known. It's like, my goal is to know Jesus and make him known. It's like, oh my gosh, no way. And there's something beautiful that happens there. And Paul goes, that's Timothy. So I want you to, to see some church. We might have some diversity and differences. We might have some different decisions or views of Paul, whatever it might be. But I tell you, we share Jesus in common. And that knits our hearts together more than anything else. See, I can look around this room and I, and I talk to many people of different backgrounds and you do too and it's like, you know what? They might view this differently and this differently but they love Jesus with everything they got and I love Jesus with everything I got. Let's go. And this is what Paul's saying. You guys, deep spiritual friendship comes by having the most important thing in common. And you can apply this to relationships. Like, wait, for, I mean, that we need Jesus at the center. We need Jesus as the focus. We need Jesus to be the one that we're like pursuing together and individually and that is Paul and Timothy. And I want you to see just first and foremost, before he gets to anything else, he says there is a shared passion. C.S. Lewis in his book on the four loves basically said this. He goes, want to know when friendship happens? 
the eureka of friendship happens, he says, when you say these two words, you too? So he said the, the eureka of friendship is when you're just like, wait, you like this person too? You like this movie too? You too? And he goes, that's when friendship happens. You know, I think about that, like even West Pines people, uh, when I got uh, breakfast with your pastor a couple years ago, we're just talking, you know, and then he brings up a Tim Keller quote and I go, you too? You like Keller? And it's like love, all, it like, fills my eyes right away. <laughs> you know, there's something about like this, like, oh my gosh, you share this in common too? Think through that with, like, with your friends. I mean, yes, and that can be movies and interests and fun things, but it's like, wow, you love Jesus with everything you got too, you too. And there's something right there that even if they're a little bit different and quirky, even if they rub you the wrong way a little bit, which will happen in community groups, but still come, but you can still say, you too, you love Jesus too. I love that about you. We have the most important thing in common together, a shared passion. He goes, everyone seeks their own, but Timothy, he seeks the things that are Christ Jesus, and that's me, for to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. We share this in common. We'll move on. But next, Paul describes in friendship, he talks about loyalty. A word we don't say or display very often, but he goes, you want to know why there's deep friendship? There's loyalty. Look at verse 22. He says, but you know, listen, you know Timothy's proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to see him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come shortly. He talks about loyalty. He goes, as a father is with his son, this is how he served with me. Like, he, as a father and son, back in this day, whatever the dad did, the son did, you know how, like, the last names, might, your last name might be Smith, you probably have, like, a blacksmith in your family, like, usually, like, your work was passed on to your son, your son's son, your son's son. Paul's saying, Timothy was my son of the faith. If you guys remember, Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. He was the pastor, so he was the pastor of this church, and the book of Ephesians is essentially written to, like, Timothy, pastor in this church. Paul wrote two letters to Timothy, first and second Timothy, great titles, but you gotta see that Paul loved Timothy. That was a son of the faith. And he says, he served with me as a son serves with his father. He was loyal. And I, and I do want to see when it comes to friendship, loyalty, I think there's a lost art of loyalty. And it's not this blind loyalty that this person can do no wrong. It's not that. But I know their heart. I know their mission. I know their goal. I know what they're living for. We share that in common as we talked about. And he was loyal to me. He served with me as a father does a son. Uh, a guy named Eugene Peterson wrote about friendship, and here's what he said. I thought it was so good. I, I need to share it. He said this, friendship, listen, friendship is a much underestimated aspect of spirituality. It's every bit as significant as prayer and fasting. Like the sacramental use of water and baptism uh, and bread and, and wine and communion, friendship takes what's common and turns it into something holy. A friendship, a friend, takes something that is common and turns it into something that is holy. There's something about going from we have similar interests to we serve Jesus with everything, and I'm committed to you, and you're committed to me, and we're committed to the gospel. And he's like, you serve me as a son. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for diversity. A friend loves at all times. At all times. You see, there's something about friendship Paul's describing. He says it's not conditional. There are some friendships that are conditional. It's, I love you if, people can do this in marriage too, I love you because, or I will love you until, Paul's like, I love you. A friend loves at all times, at all times. You see, I love that friendship is something that takes something common and makes it holy. You think about deep friendships in the Bible, like a Jonathan and David. 
you think about their friendship with each other. It's like, I'm committed to you, you're committed to me, but if we both die here this day, they had this like deep loyalty to each other. Another way, Proverbs is just filled with verses on friendships. I'll read a few. Uh, he says this in Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. All right, this is Friendship 101. I, I try to tell Micah this, like, all the time. I'm like, Micah, you want friends? Yeah, be friendly, <laughs> right? And, like, I literally try to, like, say that clearly. And I, there's some of, like, adults, some of you need to hear that. You want friends? Yeah, I guess so. Be friendly, <laughs> right? It's like friendship 101. Here's two thoughts that we see in this text. Be reliable and be available. Be reliable and be available. Timothy's available. Paul wants to send me? I'll go. He's reliable. I know if I send Timothy, he'll go. There's a reliability there. There's a faithfulness there. There's a trust there. There's a loyalty there. Again, Proverbs uh, verse tw- chapter 20, verse 6 says, most men will proclaim his own goodness, but who can find a faithful friend? I mean, that's a great, a great question. Who can find a faithful friend? Be reliable. Be available. I think a good friend is, hey, you're in need. I'm there. You know, I've had to have people call me at different points in my life and be like, hey, my husband needs you. Can you please reach out? And it's like, oh. it's sad they even have to call and ask. It's sad that they go, hey, like, you need to step up. This person needs you. My fr- your friend from high school, whatever, like, they need you. Step up. Who can find a faithful friend? Again, one more, or two more. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I'm reading this verse to you right now because this is a true friend right here. A loyal friend, again, is not blind to your flaws. A loyal friend's not going to sit across the table and pamper you and be like, no, 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 what they say about you is wrong. Your boss is wrong. You show up on time. What are you talking about? Like, that's an enemy. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A friend will wound you. A friend will give you blows for the sake of 